Gospel according to Mark, the 12th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. As Jesus taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. I didn't get my sermon titled in time for printing, and I kind of liked the title I gave to this week's sermon, so I want to tell you the title I gave to the sermon. It may or may not matter to you, but I, I like it. It is this, stewardship, who are your heroes? Sisters and brothers, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. It is reception of new members Sunday, and in what some might consider a case of the absolute worst timing ever in the history of reception of new members Sundays, this is also the Sunday when I am scheduled to preach our annual stewardship sermon as part of our annual stewardship drive, which in the last few years has included a few members willing to share here at worship what what the church means to them and, and why they are part of it. Why when they could be doing so many things on a Sunday morning they're doing this. And, and, and how and why they support it the way they do. And including especially in those interviews we did, how and why they support it the, to the church with their time and their talents. Which let's be clear are priceless treasures. The church could not begin faithfully to do what the church is called by God to do without the faithful and generous offerings our members make with their time and with their talents. Today, however, we're going to take this stewardship focus on being faithfully generous, not in the direction of our time and talents, but rather in the direction of money, supporting the work of the church and the work of God in the world here at Gloria Day and in the world Financially, And we're going to do this on reception of new members Sunday because, because the calendar is complicated and that's just kind of how it worked is why we're doing that. But I don't regard it as an awful thing that that's how that worked out. Because first of all, we are not one of the churches that, you know, all they ever do is talk about money. We, we are not that church, but we are a church that sometimes during the year, and including today, around every year, this time of year, we do remind our members, old and new, 
that some of the ways we believe we are faithfully called by God to be Christ's church require money. And isn't it fun? Isn't it maybe, perhaps, possibly even not coincidence that on this day when our calendar set aside, this was needed to be the day that I preached the stewardship sermon this year, the assigned gospel text for today was arguably the most well-known story in the gospels about money. It takes place outside of the temple in Jerusalem where sat the temple treasury collection area and where Mark tells us Jesus now sat and he watched people give and he watched how they gave and he watched how much they gave. Now by way of immediate context it's good to remember that just before this at the beginning of the gospel reading Jesus had told his disciples to beware of the kinds of religious people who like to parade around doing all kinds of religious and godly looking things that they do except they like to do them not for any reason that has anything to do with God or with truly worshiping God or with truly drawing near to the heart and the desires of God for these religious and godly looking things these people are doing Jesus said are all about them them being noticed for how religious and godly they are. Them being admired for how religious and godly they are. Them being deferred to because of how religious and godly they are. And of course, them having the best things money can buy in this world, obviously, because of how religious and godly they are. They have all they have, they are convinced, because they are better than other people. None of that is true, Jesus said to his disciples. For the only thing pretentious religious fakes like that are about, he said, is appearances and self-interest. Besides which, he said, they have gotten where they've gotten, which is to the top of both the church and the world's ladders, not by being faithful to God, but rather by climbing over and stepping on and ignoring the needs of those in the world who are in the most need and whom God calls God's faithful people in the church and the state too, faithfully to notice, to reach out to, to care for, for God's sake. Those people who aren't doing that, he said, those people who aren't caring for the poor, but are rather getting rich at the expense of the poor and on the backs of the poor, you seriously don't want to be poor them, he said, when judgment day comes. And that's when he takes this seat opposite the treasury to watch people do their giving. And many who do so are rich. Although to be clear, there's no indication here that these are the same as the rich hypocrites that he was talking about earlier. These are just people who are well off financially and they do what they actually quite easily can do. They put into the collection, comparatively speaking, compared to other people, lots of money. Except that comparatively speaking into comparison to how much they have, 
it's really not all that terribly much because they won't even notice it's gone. It will not affect their daily lives. It's then that Jesus sees another come to the treasury to give her offering, her offering being two featherweight coins, which between the two of them are worth a penny, which in the world's eyes was just as tiny and insignificant then as it would be now. Except that it wasn't the world noticing her now, it was Jesus. And she was one of the ones Jesus had just been talking about earlier, one of the poor ones, whom the world and its preoccupation with getting to the tops of its own ladders generally doesn't even see. But Jesus did see her, and of her, he said to his disciples, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury added together. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Two things. First, this gospel reading for this year's Stewardship Sunday certainly relates to some stewardship themes. But it actually, and one might even say primarily, sounds some other themes as well. The primary one of those being Jesus' casting of condemnatory judgment upon a church and a society whose power structures and powerful leaders have all the wealth they need and more, but nevertheless ignore the needs of those who don't have all that they need. Folks like that like to think they're so great, Jesus said, except that the greatness they are great with is all about them and their comfort and their status. Jesus condemns them for lacking anything even remotely resembling greatness in the eyes of God. Greatness which is measured not by comfort nor status, but by compassion and mercy. Which is a thing we who are people of faith, whom we want to claim is not hypocritical, but authentic, dare not not think about when we have the conversations we do have these days about what makes either a church or for that matter a nation great or great again. Greatness in the eyes of God is measured by neither comfort nor status but by compassion and mercy toward those who are the statusless in God's world. A second thing, and in this case this story clearly does sound a major theme when it comes to the Bible and financial stewardship. There were people that day who put in large contributions to the treasury, and it is important to notice these were not the rich hypocrites that Jesus had been railing against just a moment ago, and so he does not cast any judgment upon them. He does not berate them for being rich and for doing in all likelihood that what they perceived to be their religious duty, 
which was to put in large amounts of money because they were people who had larger amounts of money than other people. And one can certainly imagine that some of them gave the large amounts they did for the same reason that more than a few people of significant financial means whom I've known over the years have given faithfully what they did, and that was to express gratitude to God for what they had by doing what they believed to be what God had given the ability to do, and that was to give the amount they gave for what they did believe was the work of God at work in the world through the church. And I imagine that many of these heavy hitters coming to the offering plate that day as Jesus watched gave with the very same motivation, which is why I imagine that unlike the, the, the hypocritical rich people, the scribes he was talking about earlier, these wealthy ones giving their offerings are not people he condemns. They are also not the ones, however, that he specifically commends. For the one he commends, the one he commends, is that widow. But when the eyes of the world put the least amount of money at all into the offering, which turned out to be the greatest amount of all in the eyes of Jesus. Because here is a core biblical theme regarding faithful and commendable financial stewardship, generosity. When God is the one doing the measuring, isn't measured by the amount you give. It's measured by how the amount you give compares to the amount you've been given. question, why do you think did the widow in the story give the amount she gave? Which, of course, was everything she had. Why didn't she take her penny and go to the market and buy something she needed? Some suggest desperation, hopelessness, that what she had was so little it wouldn't have made one little bit of difference spent on herself. Which may be true. Yet I don't think her true motive was desperation, and here's why. Jesus doesn't just notice her. The way Jesus, of course, always had his eye out. He noticed the world's desperate. But he did more than notice her. He commended her Because I think he saw more than desperation. I think what he saw in her and what he commended about her was the depth of her faith. Her faith, which of course knew her need for things in this world, but her faith which knew too that her greatest need and her greatest hopes were found not in the things of this world, but in the things of God. I think she gave, and I think Jesus commended her because of her deep love for God and the depth of the hopes she placed in God. I cannot read this story about this widow whom Jesus commends without thinking of and commending to you, my friend Cody, uh, who, when it comes to financial stewardship, is a hero of mine. Cody lived in a group home when I knew him. He worked Monday to Thursday, 
cleaning bathrooms at the Air Force Base. Once a month, Cody and I went out for lunch, always on a Friday, his day off. I always let Cody choose where we would go and we'd talk about all the possibilities that he wanted to try sometime, and then nine times out of ten, we would go to Taco Bell, where ten times out of ten, Cody would have nachos and cheese and a cheese quesadilla. And he would, we would pray together at our table at Taco Bell before we ate, and after we prayed, Cody would say, 10 times out of 10 for sure, I love Jesus, Pastor Roger. Cody was a regular worship. He, he always got there relatively early, and he would come running in and running up to me, and he would say, Pastor Roger, do I have time for a donut before church? And I would say, I think you do, Cody. And he would say, thank you, Pastor Roger. I love Jesus, Pastor Roger. When it came time for communion, once in a while, Cody would get moved by the Holy Spirit, I believe, and he would come running up and say to me, can I help serve communion today, Pastor Roger? Well, people who make schedules are, this is, this is a, people have already signed up to serve communion, Cody. Yes, you can, Cody. And I would have him take my place. And I would always stay with him because Cody would oftentimes forget the lines, and then he would look at me. And I would say, the body of Christ given for you. And he would say, body of Christ for you. And then sometimes he would forget, but he wouldn't look at me. And he would say, Jesus loves you. And I would not correct him because, of course, to do so would have been to sin. Every week, Cody brought his offering in his offering envelope. Sometimes there would be three cents in it. Sometimes there would be three dollars in it. One time, there was a note in it. Just a note, handwritten, it said, I love Jesus. Kathy and I tithe. I was raised by tithers, I just can't help it. Every time I think I'm not tithing, my father and mother start whispering in my ear. You know, you just might as well avoid that. Tithing is, is a word the Bible uses to describe giving 10% of your income to the work of God through the church, or you know what, through other organizations in the world as well that you believe that are doing good work, God kind of work in the world. Dollar-wise, I suppose that Kathy and I most years gave, I don't know, a hundred times more to the church than did Cody. But truth be told, and in the eyes of Jesus, of course, we never once ever gave anywhere near as much as Cody did. At my best, let's be clear, I'm not always at my best. But at my best, when I think about giving, or pledging to give for the coming year, at my best, I do so not just thinking about Cody, but thinking like Cody. Cody who makes me, makes my heart better than had I never met him. For Cody helps me think more often and more clearly about giving. By thinking about the fact that I love Jesus. Jesus who of course wasn't a tither to the church, right? Jesus was a 100 percenter. He gave all to birth his church and to rebirth me. My stewardship hero, in other words, to be clear, is Jesus, the greatest giver the world has ever known. But Jesus, too, gave the world. Jesus gave me Cody.
whose stewardship lies this side of Jesus, is another hero of mine. For Cody helps me give, and helps me fill out my pledge to give, for the sake of love, love for Jesus, gratitude for, for knowing how deeply I am loved by Jesus, and gratitude for being part of a community of faith where every week God's love is what we are gathered by grace to gather around, and from where every week God's love is what we are scattered and sent into the world to do and to be. Because why? Because God's world is very not good at loving. But God is love. And we are his church. I love Jesus, Pastor Roger. I do too, Cody. And I love you. Amen. <laughs>